we have a special guest today because we're going to dive into 50 years ago. The Oh, thanks yes. for making me feel so young. Well, not only that, he was here last week. Yes, so. and, and we told everybody you were going to be here. Uh, I'm Lynn Venhouse. I'm Carl Middleman. And I'm Ron Stevens. We're going to talk about the state of movies and good boys coming up next. Blinded by the Light around minute 19. The Nightingale around minute 29. Mike Wallace is here at minute 41. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Around minute 48. Around minute 52. What's coming up next week? Hi, Ron. Hi. Welcome. We're glad you're back. We were just talking off the air about the wonderful state of radio and the business <laughs> that we chose. That uh, it's a, Prince it's a recurring conversation that just uh, updates itself on a monthly basis. Yes. Well, print. print okay, okay. So, like, better. print started the dying, and then radio was continuing the dying. Then it will be televisions. But will movies ever be? Well, I bet the studio system maybe might well, die. you know, that's a good question, Carl. And you know I just did that documentary on the Liston brothers, right. Pat and Danny Liston, and decided rather than releasing it online mm-hmm. or even doing a DVD, which now someone else is doing of it, but I decided to treat it like a film and rent a place. Uh, actually worked a deal out with Cybergs, mm-hmm. and they gave me all three banquet rooms, plenty of space to wow. fill up. We filled it up. With people paying movie ticket price, $9. Yeah. We had 230 people. That's do all we ma- could fit the in math. there. Or, like, well, yeah, do the math. That's right. like $2,000. So no, no, you know, no big killing, but still, right. these people came and they saw it. Did, they ha- did you have popcorn? Uh, no, we had a bar, though. An oh, open that's bar even at the better. back of the room. Because you're seeing a, a concert film, basically. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but the point being, people came to that and it certainly does not compete in any way with major hollywood releases right but it's that social gathering Mm -hmm. that they like and for that reason i think movies and movie theaters will exist for many years to come okay but it's our the studio system from the 20s and 30s has already died because they had they had all those actors under contract and they would i was an mgm star and they so that is movies have adapted through that and remember television was going to kill movies and that right. has not happened. Yeah. But now, television now, because there are so many providers, are putting out 10 times as much as movies are. Yeah, right. And they're putting them out as movies. Right, content. Right. I mean, they're doing movies. For, it, it's, it's But to the consumer, there's no difference. No, there is no difference. Because no one you knows. you have more ways to consume movies, which is great. You can sit at home and make a, a choice. Even a movie that's a major release in a movie theater... You can go to your Amazon or Apple TV and say, "Oh, look! For fourteen dollars, you I and I and the now. kids can sit and watch it now." Yeah. And I, I want to admit, I actually enjoyed the latest Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston murder mystery from Netflix. It was really well done. It was my wife. She said, "Oh my gosh, this is gonna suck," and it, and she's like, "It's dumb. Let's watch it." It was not bad, and it because. They, Adam Sandler is making a ton of money for Netflix, and sometimes, yes, he's making really yeah. dumb movies, but he's also making really good movies for Netflix. The Meyerowitz stories? Right. That's yeah. like one of their second, it's the second rated, uh, second best rated movie on Netflix. Well, look, Netflix is opening the New York Film Festival, which is very prestigious, with The Irishman. Think about that. Yes. They are opening the New York Film Festival. Netflix. Marty. And and now, I mean, they're changing rules, Academy Award rules, that these guys can win Academy Awards for their work. Roma. It doesn't have to be on Roma won. Best foreign film. Yeah. 
Right. So, and they spent a lot of money. I, the postage on that coffee table book we got <laughs> probably was more than a movie ticket. All right. So, yeah, we have so. lots of movies. Ron and I saw. Oh, actually, we all three saw. It. Let's start with that one because that's probably the best movie that we're going to talk about this week. Yeah. And totally surprising. Yes. Good boys. Agreed. Good boys. Good boys. And 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 you know, I would have to relate back to something we discussed last week and that is managing expectations you thought it was i not thought they be good. managed expectations on that perfectly with the, with the trailer mm-hmm. you know in this case i thought they well, yes. did. it's like they dealt they went head on right into the the uh seth rogan went right into you know this is a movie you guys can be in but you can't you can't watch the trailer you can't see you it. can't even see the trailer you right. can't see the movie and okay you can say uh, yeah, I don't go know if ahead. I can say it here, but you can say it, but you can't watch yourself saying it. Right, is what that movie is. However, <laughs> they they managed to get beyond young guys just using the f word every chance. They exactly, got. it's a uh, it's written by Gene Stepnitsky and his partner Lee Eisenberg. Who, Lee Eisenberg actually plays a character named Lee Eisenberg in the movie. But they were producers and writers and directors for seasons two through six of The Office. In fact, I was watching Comedy Central yesterday, and it, there was an episode that they had written. And I'm like, hey, those are the guys that did Good Boys. But it's also produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. So that's why you're getting all the, um, let's see, fair comparisons to Sausage Party and Superbad, which... I enjoy both of those movies, <laughs> and I will admit, uh, Lee and Gene also wrote Year One with Michael Sarah and Jack Black. No, no one likes that movie. But they also wrote Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz and Justin Timberlake, which I did not hate. I, enjoy, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that movie, and I'm glad that there is going to be a sequel to that movie. Well, apparently they're very uh, popular ghostwriters. They're ah. script doctors, oh. and you can tell. What's surprising about this... I raised two boys, and I laughed my head off at Superbad, I will say this. And I laughed well, my head they off. They were 16 this. years old, yes. though. Yes, they were. And I laughed my head off at this because anybody who has any uh, knowledge of yeah, pre- of tweens, yeah, right. tweens will see. Tween boys. Tween girl, boys. Girl, girls do not talk like that. Yeah, no, no. And I know a lot of it's for effect. They cuss up a storm. So if you don't when like When I uh, was a 12-year-old boy, I talked like that. Not from my parents. Yeah. Exactly. You're trying to be tough. You're trying to be cool. No, you're trying to see what you can get away with. (laughs) Right. You're testing the rules, basically. But what was really sweet about this, as somebody said it was a live action South Park, and that's a fair Uh, comparison to... South Park is more social commentary. This is just laughs. This is coming of age. Yeah. This is... Discovery. What I liked about it was it was a very sweet bromance because I do think Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, because they're best friends, they have a knack for explaining how kids act at that age. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that was that yeah. was surprising because I didn't expect that. That's exactly what I didn't think would happen. That they had such good insight to being a tween right Right. and the friendship like the beanbag boys there's just there and then how they struggle with being the bffs like uh are we gonna not be friends well see that uh, that i thought was a little rushed oh also gene and lee did the show hello ladies on hbo which is why steven merchant is in the film oh and he's so he is really good all right well let's 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 talk about the three main stars you have jacob trembley from room who is so adorable you have brady noon as thor and the breakout star of this movie is keith l williams who is the african-american kid who's 
taller than the rest of them, and they make that is a running joke through the entire thing. He's probably at least a at least a head taller yeah. than both of those other boys. He had the growth spurt first, and he overshares, and his parents are played by Lil Rel Howery and Retta. Retta they from are hol- Parks and Rec. They and they are hilarious. They are, yeah. Oh, my God. And Will Forte is Jacob Tremblay's dad. Yes. I don't recognize the other women, but... Oh, yes. Molly Gordon, Hannah, they're, they're two, right. they get into a tussle with two girls. Midori Francis is Lily, and Molly Gordon is Hannah. Molly Gordon played triple A in Booksmart. Oh, so okay. she she's the uh, class slut in Booksmart, but and she's not playing that here. This, this she's just yeah. playing a girl that who has recently been dumped and would like to uh, wash her troubles away with Molly. <laughs> so you have seasoned actors and actresses in this movie, mm-hmm. and and the movie, in my opinion, does what a movie should do. You have terrific growth of characters. Arc. From the beginning to the end of that movie, those characters grow. I thought that was rushed. At the, the, the growth? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Sure, second. okay. Well, well, I didn't. I okay. Really, I mean, that's... Well, they, they talked about something, and then the next scene, it happens. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the magic of the movie. That's the magic. Making. Because and, and there's... didn't bother there, me. I wasn't aware of that. There's a, month, there's a month that goes on because somebody's grounded for a month, yeah. and they don't see each other. Yeah. Secondly, the parents were not invisible. The adults were not invisible in this movie. This no. wasn't Peanuts. Right. I said peanuts. Yes. Right, okay. I just want to make sure. I know what you uh, mean. It, but it wasn't. It it was they their roles were well developed and mm-hmm. they had hilarious lines. The mm-hmm. mom saying, "Oh, they're all down in the basement. I just don't I don't want to know what's going on down there." Uh-huh. I just I cool, thought it was cool mom. lines. A lot of those lines. Yes. Yeah, and he was the cool kid that's Soren and uh it was so funny how they they desperately want to fit in. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. really stand out, and they just don't know that yet. It's a kissing party. Yes. They've been in. Well, oh. Actually, Max has been invited to a kissing party. Thor and Lucas are not invited That's to right. a kissing yeah. party, and so, the kid Soren's like, oh, "I got to balance out my boys and my girls." <laughs> <laughs> He's the cool kids. Yeah, the cool kids are just the same cool kids as they always are. But it was a there was a freshness to this because it was modern. It was very much well. This right. this time. Well, also, if you look back at Superbad, that movie's not 10 years old. And if you look what happened to those kids from Superbad, besides every single one of them, except for the other girl, who is still an actress, but they've all gone on to superstardom. Mm-hmm. Everybody from Superbad, you have Oscar winners, you have Oscar nominees, you have talented voice actors, you have people that are now doing this. But if you look at Superbad 10 years after the fact... That film's dated, and I think mm, this yeah. film is going to be dated in 10 years well, from now. Well, you can't also. help that. Yeah. Because when you're dealing with that age group, you have to deal with drones Current. and things. And like VR. Yeah, right. You have to deal with that stuff, and, and it will date quickly. But the feeling was universal. Right. And the movie was not told to kids. It was told to adults. Yes. That was directed at us, and that's why it worked in my Do you remember mind. remember this? <laughs> yeah. It's a very sweet bromance, mm-hmm. and I thought that was nice. I thought that whole running theme of establishing friendships when you're younger and, and, and finding your talents. And the kids are very woke in this movie. Oh, yes. They're very woke. Uh, Millie Davis plays Brixley, the object of Max's affection. Uh, people would know her. From, she was on Orphan Black, and people that have young kids would know her from PBS's Odd Squad. She plays Mrs. O in the Odd Squad. So she is also a seasoned actress, in the kids' world, so um, I guess Orphan Black—that is, that's adult as well. Yeah. But it's very interesting that these kids, 
some of these kids are unknown. Some of these kids are uh, Disney or Nickelodeon stars. And some of these adults are just playing. Like Sam Richardson showing up for that one scene as the cop. He's from Veep and uh, uh, Lauren Michaels' Detroiters. It's They just show up, they do their yeah, thing, right, and yeah. they leave. Right. Usually my problem with comedies is, and I've said this probably a thousand times on this show, story gets lost for jokes or vice versa it's either too full of jokes and then they have to pull back so they can do story this does not have that problem at all absolutely i couldn't agree with that more and that was my fear that it would be it's going to slow down so they can and how do you direct that how do you direct these kids at that age and saying all right listen there's two sides of the joke, and you have to be on the right side of this joke all the time. Right, because it's filthy. How does a kid sense that? They that don't is, know. Yeah. In fact, I read an interview with Jacob Tremblay, and he's like, when they were playing with some of the sex toys, they had no idea there what they go. were doing. There you go. And it's so they're, they're playing innocent because they were they were innocent. Yeah. And, he, and he said, my mom tells me everything, and she told me just go with it and read your lines. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. that. That is very interesting because... You do think about that while you're watching it. How much do these kids really know? What, what do anal they understand beads are? That joke? <laughs> or are even the even the part where they where they they put in porb and then they change it to porn and they get online to find porn? The look on their faces when they see what they see and their description of it later. Right. You know, it's like, man, that was great. That was done well. well. Also, it's like Forty Year Old Virgin, where because you saw Forty Year Old Virgin, then you watched all the outtakes, all the lines that they didn't use. Mm, yeah. I've seen. Three lines from that porn scene that were have not been in the movie. They're in the trailers, but they're not in there because. And then there's also the line where the little girl in the swing says, oh, yeah. "That's how I was made." That's not in the movie. That's not in the movie. So no. that just means they just gave those kids wild lines, and yeah. they used what worked. And I thought it worked great. It but that means the blooper reel on this movie is going to be amazing, or, or second take on the DVD. That little girl, the the one who the played sister. the sister coming the sister, in, yeah, that was Thor's just perfect sister. too because <laughs> it's so like a sister, yeah. you know, to come in. And then the girls that were the the girl that was. The the matchmaker, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was just, I mean, yeah. the way they captured the girls in it as briefly as they were was just perfect. And then the junior high music teacher, <laughs> that guy, doing Rock of oh, Ages oh, oh, yeah, as yeah, the yeah. school musical. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, was, yeah. there's, a scene, there's a scene in Rock of Ages where um, the lead girl and the rock star go to have sex in a bathroom but this one they're having donuts in the bathroom yeah. because it's a middle school production of it but but cutting back see see a lot of those jokes in my mind work because of the direction and the editing mm-hmm. when you take like the little you're talking about the little sister when they cut to her that second time and they scare the she scares the bejesus out of him because mm-hmm. now she's behind him there's a great edit. The edit is timed yeah. perfectly and then there's a push to her with the camera and a little music surge that just underline that whole thing. I become real aware of those things. Because mm-hmm. you, know, you, you make movies exactly. now. Exactly. So those little tools can be used well or used poorly or not at all, which is poorly. And they were used extremely well in this movie. I think there's going to be a director's cut of this movie that might be even worse. Killer. Yeah. And that'd be great. Yeah. I I I was it's all about all about expectations. I mm-hmm. thought this movie was gonna be fine. I was blown away how actually good it was. Yeah, same here. We were all saying it afterwards. We were all, because we laughed out loud the whole time. Right, and yeah. it was just so funny. And It's probably the funniest film of the year. It might be, yeah. 
I'm trying to think when I laughed that hard. Yeah, what else uh, was what else was yeah. that good? And and that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So so we're telling you see this movie now. Yes. You have to, if what we have said has offended you or have, has made a little red flag in your head mm-hmm. go, uh, I don't think I'm gonna <laughs> like that. You are not gonna like it. If po- you, possibly, well, don't think about bringing the kids. That's for absolutely, sure. Absolutely, yeah. Not, no. The people, as you said, the people that this is about, it's not who it's made for. Right. It's made for adults. This is a hard R. In fact, the my wife wanted to see this movie because of one reason. It's because of the trailer, or because yeah, we saw the trailer and I paused it and I said, "Oh my gosh, look at that!" And she's like, "What?" And it says <clears throat> the following line. Crude sexual content, drug use, and alcohol material, and language throughout, all involving tweens. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it, right. And so, they're the expectations. And to see them handle it as well as they did, to see them having their character steal a beer and then you know, Have a dare swig. to take five swigs out of it. In front, you know, <laughs> it, it was just handled beautifully. It's, it's that period between innocence and jaded. Yeah, and an exaggeration is important, like yes. trying to cross the highway. Mm-hmm. Well, oh. I was offended by that until I realized it was hilarious. It was. It was just absolutely hilarious. Oh gosh, they're putting those kids yeah. in danger. And again, you're not, kids aren't seeing this. You're not encouraging kids to no. try this. It's not that stupid, you no. know? And then how they tie it up because yep. it's so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. hey. you, don't, that's a spoiler. That's I know that's why I'm not saying anything, but it's just it is. It's just refreshing, and it reminds you a tad of John Hughes movies, like maybe mm. Sixteen yeah. Candles. No, John Hughes there. wasn't that vulgar. No, no, I'm no. Just saying, not, his not was more had, innocent. But he yeah. tapped into the mind of a child, right? Yes. You know, and so that's why it, it has that resemblance too. Yeah. If you want to take it in a positive light, like I'm trying well, to then let's it. do that. <laughs> All right. So what is next? Do we want to talk about... Are you a Springsteen fan? Yes. Okay. Did you see Blinded by the Light? No. I did. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to see it. Again, my expectations of that movie weren't in the right place. So. Really? Yeah. Should I see it? You should. Okay. Because you were a fan of Springsteen, and this is about fandom. Hmm. Blinded by the Light, it is directed and co-written by... I will get her name wrong... Gunindir Chahada. No, Chadha. And she did Bend It Light Beckham. Oh. And she, this is inspired by the true story of Sarfaz Manzoor, but his, in the movie, his name is Javid. He is an immigrant from Pakistan living in London in the late 1980s. And a friend of his who is also a, a fellow Muslim, but he's a Sikh Muslim, so, oh. There's there's division there's division everywhere in London in not London it's in England it's in a small town in in England because London is a hundred miles away and they look they look longingly at the yeah. at the kilometer meter and they go oh if we could go to the big city yeah well, but, and and I should add to that for for the sake of people hearing this that London at that time and probably still is was such a racially mixed community uh, right. where it worked beautifully and right. always has. But not in this little town 100 kilometers yeah, away right. because they, um, they're they Pakistani and the skinheads are in full force. They're called the NF and, it, and the Pakis go home is like everywhere and tensions between the immigrants and the locals, they are all locals because they all live there. It's just, mm. it's very, 
it's Thatcher's time, and so the economy's in a downturn, and the Packies are taking our jobs, even though the Packy father has been working at the plant for 20 years, <laughs> and then he gets he gets laid off. And so every uh, Javid's friend, the Sikh Muslim, says, you need to listen to this. And so he listens to Darkness on the Edge of Town. The movie takes place in 1987, 1988. I do think that... These, this kid who loves pop music, he listens to Bananarama and Pet Shop Boys. He listens to the top 40. He would have known who Bruce Springsteen was, especially in 1987. Tunnel of Love had just come out. And that was, even though they're over in England, you you know no, they this. They definitely would. They would yeah. And especially, he would, he would have known Glory Days and Dancing in the Dark. But he's, the movie takes it like, oh my gosh, this is, I've never heard this before. And you know what? He might not have heard The River or Hungry Heart or... It's, uh, it's possible. Yeah, but he would have been aware of the artist. He would have been aware who Bruce Springsteen is. And his father says, oh, I'm glad you're finally listening to an American Jew who is telling you all of these things about our <laughs> lives. Because, no, because he says to his son, because he wants his son to get a, you know, you want your children to do better. Yeah. And he's like, follow the Jews. <laughs> He says that, follow the Jews, do what the Jews do in your school, and you will have a better life for yourself. But, of course, he thinks Bruce Springsteen is Jewish, and so he, the father's okay with that for a while, but then not as much. Haley Atwell is uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Peggy Carter is in this movie. Haley Atwell is playing the Michelle Pfeiffer Dangerous Minds part. She is the white teacher that saves the Pakistani student mm -hmm. from... Because uh, he wants to be a writer, and his father says writing doesn't pay any money. But the English teacher submits his essay off about Bruce Springsteen, gets him an internship at the paper. Father doesn't like that because, of course, internships don't pay in the 1980s. And But then his Springsteen essay gets him a trip to Asbury Park, New Jersey, because uh, that's where the college—is uh, it Fordham that's over there? I don't know. And it, it, whatever college he wins, okay. that he gets to go to New Jersey and see Springsteen's house. Even though they still, I think they f still filmed most of it. Besides a couple select shots, I think they filmed most of it in England because they don't really know that much about America. They've got the flags hanging backwards at the customs, <laughs> and so. Did you observe that, or was that? I did. I observed. I observed okay. that, and there was one song that was from 1990. I'm like, oh, that's not there. Well, that happened, right? Uh, and Rob Brydon, the uh, comedian and impressionist, he plays uh, Javid's best friend's dad, who helps the family along by getting them a job. He's in the Steve Coogan trip movies. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, Nell Williams is the white girl that uh, Javid falls in love with. She's from Game of Thrones. She. <laughs> First, you don't know if like their attraction is real. He's always had a crush on her, but then he finds out that she likes upsetting her uh, conservative parents because she's liberal. And so, of course, bringing a packy home would be very upsetting. And he's like, do you like me or just like the way I make your parents feel? <laughs> and she <laughs> said a, good a little bit of both. And so his name is Vivek. Kalra, and he is really great at playing, speaking of playing teens, playing a teen who's trying to find his place in the world. And the uh, way they do this, they whenever he's listening to music, because he's got a Walkman, it's 1987, mm -hmm. he's got a Walkman, and when Bruce's lyrics come up, they come up on screen. So you're feeling, nice. you're feeling the yeah. same thing as he is feeling, and Bruce let them use a dozen songs in the movie. 
So, oh, nice. but but before he learns about that, he's listening to all 1987 Britpop. So he's listening to uh, Pet Shop Boys. He, and... Yeah, he's listening to Pet Shop Boys and Bananarama, and he names checks them all. And uh, there's actually a song in the movie that was previously under unreleased that was written for Harry Potter. That by Spring- Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Springsteen. Wow. I guess his kids must have wanted him to do it, and he said, "Here, I wrote a song for Harry Potter," and they're like, uh, "You're not British," so <laughs> they didn't let that happen. It's called "I'll Stand by You." It closes. It closes the film, and I didn't think I was going to like this movie. It's going to be, of course, compared to Rocket Man, and it's going to be compared to Bohemian Rhapsody. But as as we've talked about before, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's is, a biopic. It's though. a biopic with a lot of things. Uh, wrong. And then you have Rocket Man, which is a fantasy. Uh, it's, a, it's a jukebox musical of Elton John's life. This is the story of Bruce Springsteen from a fan's point of view. Yeah, that's and so you find out, because I said uh, the, the story of Bruce Springsteen is unfilmable. So doing this from a fan's point of view it's not unfilmable. It's a lot to take in. It would be have to be. You have to do like Spielberg did with Lincoln and just take one weekend or one yeah. year. Or well, his show on Broadway. Was well, his show. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that was him. That was him talking. Him and a guitar. It wasn't right. him and the whole E Street Band. It was just him and a guitar telling stories every night, doing mm-hmm. a two-hour show every. And that's that's actually short for Bruce. But then <laughs> it is. But he won and he who won. wouldn't who wouldn't want to see that? And lots of people have seen it. And yeah. that's why uh they filmed it. And so we're all gonna get to see it. Yeah. This since this is based on a true story, it's based on uh uh Manzur's novel uh Greetings from Bury Park, which I guess is the town that he grew up in. So he has then you find out all of what he has done with his life once he became an actual writer and uh he's now seen Springsteen like 150 times. Uh-huh. So it's really good to see and they there are shots of all of them he and Bruce together too. So well, it's interesting now I haven't seen it as no, as okay. you already pointed out but uh, when you describe the story it's a very recognizable story mm-hmm. even with a Pakistani uh, family. Brit. It right. just seems to be a, a recurring theme of I want to do this, and that's not respectful for mm-hmm. Pakistani to do this, or for our family. And that, know, that, you're that's disgracing a, our family. A dis- there's a dichotomy in there, and they, the fathers always tell him, "You're not Paki, you're British." And so oh, when he says, "When he says, I want to listen to the music I want. I want to be a writer. That's very British." And then the father says, "But you're a Paki." <laughs> so th- and that's what that's the tricks. That parents use sure, on kids. Exactly. Do yeah. as I say, not right. as I do, or yeah. either one. But to continue that thought, it's a it's a recognizable theme, mm-hmm. yet putting that twist of the lyrics of Bruce Springsteen into it mm-hmm. really puts a huge, great dent in it. Yeah. I'm assuming, you know, I mean, it just well, especially it because free. it's it's the recession in mm-hmm. England, and so all the stuff that Bruce was writing about in the late '70s is happening in England there, right. in the late 80s. And so it's really it's really interesting to see that, especially from an outsider's point of view, because you wouldn't think, okay, well, because Bruce Springsteen, he's the working man here, and he's so American, just in seeing it both in England and by an English immigrant. It's a very interesting story. And I didn't think I was going to like this, and I thought I was going to be, uh, I thought it was going to be fine, and I I really enjoyed it. And it was also the same night as Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and everybody I know 
hated that movie. So I made the right choice that night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish they wouldn't have been on the same night. Uh, have you ever seen the Kennedy Center Honors where Bruce was in, in received his award? I've seen a lot of them, but I don't remember that one. Um, so. Go to YouTube and watch this because John Stewart does the intro. Mm-hmm. Because he's from Jersey. Yes, and it's mm -hmm. wonderful. So it's one of the best ones. Okay. So to, uh, John Stewart talks about how he was a teenage, you know, boy growing up in in uh, New Jersey, and he he uh, he said Bruce Springsteen taught him through his lyrics what it meant to yearn. Hmm. Well, and they have a yearning in this movie too. So <laughs> therefore, all right. All right. Let's talk I've, about um, yeah. a movie I'm never going to see again. Neither am I. I'm, <laughs> it's, it's not that it's bad. Okay. So let's talk about Jennifer Kent. She is an Australian writer and director, and she made this little indie film a couple years ago called The Babadook, which is a horror film. And it was very well received because it doesn't end like a regular horror film. It, it's not like a twist or anything. It just doesn't end like a regular horror film does. It's still horror, and it's still it does what it does very well. Oh, and, it's terrifying. And she was handed lots of scripts to do. And she said, you know what? I'm going to write my – the next movie I do is going to be something of my own creation. So she's Australian, and she knows – here's what here's what most people know about Austra the history of Australia. One, they didn't treat the Aborigines very well. And two, it started off as a prison colony. She took those things and made it into a nightmare. Hmm. It takes place in 1820 – 325, somewhere like that, there was a period known as the Black War. They called Aborigines black. And this is the colonization by Britain. So you have all these British soldiers and officers. And uh, the, the, uh, the officers... For the most part, except that captain who, who right. did uh, stand up for it. The movie starts with this cherubic-faced Irish woman singing a song to all these British soldiers. Her name's Claire. Yes, Claire. 21 years old, played by another Game of Thrones person. person yes, uh, Aisling Franciosi. Okay, good for you. Yeah, and she uh, plays an Irish convict who has served, served her, her time. time. In Tasmania. But this horrible, just horrible, evil person is uh, got the contract to her. And his, he is played by Sam Claflin. From the Hunger Hunger Games. Games. Claflin, who normally is like a heartthrob guy. He's, and he, he hasn't has really show. played a lot of heavies. No. And this is a very heavy. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so horrible. So he uses, she is married. And has a little baby. And actually, the film starts out with her singing to her baby, mm -hmm. the nightingale. So I think she has a beautiful voice. And uh, he rapes her uh, several times. That's in the first 10 minutes. Yes. Oh. And uh, it's pretty horrible. And it's uh, he uses her as his personal plaything and lies about her and treats her horrible. He will not sign the papers to let her have her freedom. And so... She's, he's using that against her. Now, Lynn, I'm going to read what it said on the email. The filmmakers respectfully request that the specific nature of the brutality afflicted on Claire's family at the beginning of the film not be revealed to future viewers. That is there for a very specific reason, and it is ghastly. And we're not going to talk no, about that. we're not going to tell but, but we already mentioned that there is rape, but in the first hour... There are five rapes. 
and not not just Claire. Claire's not the only one being abused. As I said, the aboriginals, they are being treated horribly as well. And sometimes if the British soldiers come upon a, a family of blacks, they just shoot them. Sometimes they just take the uh, the prisoners that they have and they make them do menial labor and then they kill them. It is not the British are not treated well in this movie at all. And so after all these weird things happen to Claire Hawkins, Sam Claflin, he leaves to go get a better post. And he's he's on the run from both he he has a time limit to get to point B. And so uh, Claire gets an Aboriginal local named Billy, played by Bakali Ganambar. And it's his first movie, and he's terrific. And he is, he's because no, nobody's local. And so for the first hour, she's, she's guiding him, but she's got a gun on him because she doesn't trust him. And so he starts to trust her because she, she's not British. She's Irish. So that's when they they both realize that they have a common enemy. And so it's really difficult to watch this whole movie, not because of what we didn't say, but because the way human beings are treating each other. I have, uh, I have said that this movie is like 12 years a slave, uh, saving private Ryan and, um, Schindler's list. Because it is a good movie. It is well done. It's too long. Too it's long. Two hours and 14 minutes. And all. Saggy, it is a, saggy middle. It is all really well done. The acting is great. The scenery is great. The story needs to be told. But I will never watch this movie again. Do you get a sense of history? Australian yes, history? Like you, you do. do in Schindler's List or you do yes. in. Yes. You do, okay. and this is, and uh, that's why Jennifer Kent said she made this movie because nobody knows about this. And they, she met with um, Aboriginal leaders, and this, they're using the language that is like a dead language that they would have been speaking at the time. So she's trying to remind everyone that this it was happened. not a great yeah. time in Australian history. Okay. Oh, it's all it's class and gender and race, which are still topics today. Yeah. So she's but, making the parallel. But also they come to an understanding, Claire and Billy. Uh, yeah. It just takes a long time to get there, like Carl said, two hours and 15 minutes. And it's intolerable cruelty, so it's hard to watch. It is very hard to watch. I, and, and I think it is. it needs to be seen. I think that people— Apparently that's what the director thought it needs to be, and the writer thought. She thought it needed to be seen. And you don't you don't cushion that. Well, see, that's a, that's that's the thing with this movie. It is very brutal to watch. It is gruesome. It is difficult. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that. Yeah, but that, that sets. You're it apart, not watching though, this from, movie for enjoyment. Yeah, it, but it sets it apart from the horror movie that's made simply to scare you and make you feel right. bad. Uh, I mean, those movies. Ugh. You know, just like walk away. Well, yeah, I can understand, kind of but right. I can understand the criticism of this movie is five rapes too much, or, or is, was it even necessary? Well, to make the it, point? Is. It, it is. It, I think it is. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if five two different women are raped by two different men, but and, it, and it's different each time. Each time, ones for power, ones for revenge, ones. It's just, okay. it's weird. It, it's, a, it's a meditation on extreme violence and also revenge. 
and but see, something's like, why is it okay for Quentin Tarantino to do something like that? And I said, well, that's what Quentin gets knocked for a lot. I, True. I, At the same time, a Quentin Tarantino is not doing it for any historical accuracy. In fact, just the opposite. Exactly. He uses history to his advantage right. to do whatever he wants, and he does it for comedy more than anything. Yeah, this is so real. From this a, is from a woman's real. point of view, is it too much? I think so. Well, you know, I, anyone listening is saying one rape is too much. Right. I mean, yeah. But, yeah, but, too but, much, but, but like you don't have the movie The Accused if there is not a rape. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there if you take it in I mean, obviously it has to happen because of the the what happened? The script, right. But the way it's filmed too. Right. So sometimes you get the look from the rapist, sometimes you get the look of the uh victim or a ceiling or other times you get to see what the victim is seeing so their point of view and how they're distracted or trying to just get by with it until it's over it's very moving but i think some people are going to be moved and just hate this movie i'm uncomfortable even hearing about (laughs) it oh my god yeah, it's 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 a hard take. I, I understand it. I understand why they did it, and obviously, women violence against women, it's the a bad dehumanization thing. of women is a horrible thing, and it just shows you very graphically and brutal. Not only are there rapes, but there's other things that happen during or before or after the rapes. That's power struggles horrible 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 so it's not just the rapes it's other things that happen to violence which we can't talk about because we don't want to spoil it but <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> but all the it's, people it's, who are not going to well, see well, it exactly now. you know what this is not a movie you are watching for pleasure if you're watching this movie for pleasure there is something yeah, wrong help. with get you. help uh, you do learn a, a lot of historical context mm-hmm. and and the aborigine uh fellow billy is really good and there's also a knock about him because billy he also has revenge against the British also. But for a while, it seems like the story moves from Claire to Billy, and Billy gets more revenge than Claire does for a, for a while. And so is that, is, that an, is that a man saving a woman, or is that just they both get their own taste of revenge? And, and then once in a while, they come across in their journey, like things that have happened horrible by the soldiers, you know, not just to them, but other people. Houses burning. And, and then another time, they find uh, people that help them, and they're so shocked. Right. Because they can't believe somebody be nice. And wow. it, it's, it's really interesting, but I, I can't recommend this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I... I, I, I enjoy you can't say that you enjoyed no. it you it's, it's a difficult watch but it is it's not necessarily necessary unless you want to know about the history yeah. of 1820s Australia Australia there is one scene way later in the movie that I could not watch I had to close my eyes for minutes because it was just I, I go I can't I cannot watch this and well, you certainly intrigued a lot of people. <laughs> something they shouldn't see. It's just, oh, well, it's, well, you know. She had a problem with her screener, so she had to watch the first five <laughs> rapes again. again. Oh. But I, I will say during that time, I kind of like We're doing some other things. And I, was took, I was looking but at But it my is paper. two hours and 15 minutes of torture. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. intolerable cruelty. And, uh, you know, some some things are... Um, uh, but also the the verbal abuse, yeah, is is just not physical abuse, but the verbal abuse and the way they use the people to manipulate what they want. I do like the accents though. You've got the you've got the Australian accents from the Aborigines. You've got the Irish accents from the criminals, and you've got the British accents from the soldiers. And so it does not feel American at all, even though it is also an American kind of tale. It's it's very well done and it's very well acted. So I will say this, although she could have used an editor. <laughs> Two hours and fifteen minutes. All right. Yeah, let's move on. Let's to, talk to something. Well, <laughs> I saw the Mike Wallace is here, and if you're a fan of sixty the, minutes, the news and broadcast, you know, if you watch broadcast journalism, that brought fear into those words. Brought fear to yeah. any business. Was owner. it a documentary? Yeah. Or yeah. is it a documentary? And Chris okay. is involved. Yeah, he's a producer. Nice. So Mike Wallace, um, he had a very troubled personal life. They don't get into that too much. But he, he and was, his son didn't talk for a long time. He was married four times. And his 19-year-old, his one son at 19 died in a climbing accident. So they say that that, that uh, influenced him. But he suffered from depression for a long time but you know people have called him an sob and so when they interviewed him because he did not do softball questions today the world needs the mike wallace because he did change broadcast journalism and he was on 60 minutes this new show for like 37 years Mm -hmm. and he set a standard and we should we could use that the gotcha interview that's what mike wallace is here created it and then steve croft kept it going and I guess he's still he's still on sixty minutes. Not as often. No. Not as regularly. But yeah. No, it's an interesting it's an interesting bio. Do they you, talk about? Do they talk to anyone that he got? Uh, Bill O'Reilly um, <laughs> talks about uh, that he he idolized Mike Wallace, mm. and then he said, "But you're a dinosaur." Ooh. And then yeah. And then look at Bill O'Reilly now. So, okay. But uh, they show quite a few of his interviews, which is good. It, it's archival footage. Talking heads, too? A little bit, but but mostly archival footage. Okay. Hmm. So that's what's fascinating. You know, Barbara Streisand called him an SOB. Betty yeah, Davis. Yeah, but they, that, was like a, a, that was a puff piece, yeah, though. Yeah. But he's got world leaders. You know, and so, so he it's talked very, to the Shah, didn't he? Yeah, that's the fascinating part. I mean, the people he sat across from mm-hmm. that agreed to take those interviews early on, it was kind of like, like Khomeini. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they they did not understand what they were getting themselves into. No, because they were foreign and they no. didn't. Well, even even in America, that happened. Even on our own soil, after two or three years of sixty minutes, the you know the idea of here uh, here comes. Uh, Mike Wallace really didn't take hold for until like time. the 80s. I mean, yeah, right. It took right. a while before you realize if he's knocking on your door, you're in trouble. Well, that you know? movie, The Insider, right. is a perfect example of how he he got people. Uh, they yeah, do, but they lost that case originally. Yeah, they do show him interview Mike um, Malcolm X, and he jokes about probably being a target next mm-hmm. and. Interestingly, I always thought that Chris Wallace was a Mike Wallace wannabe. No. You know? <laughs> they didn't talk about um, No, for I mean him. politically he's not. Well, but I, I think I've I've I know I know Chris. And he is he even yes, he's on Fox News, but he is a reporter first. And, um, yeah, you can see that. I, I don't I don't disagree lot, with that. And a lot but, of but people I always that, thought he 
he admired his father and wanted right. to do that, do it that way, an investigative Well, he reporter. was on NBC. He was on CBS. He Chris started off in network news. This is what I mean. This is, and, and he was going that direction mm-hmm. until Fox. Right. And But he still has it in him. He still and that's what it. I mean by I want to be. A lot know? of people don't like Chris Wall. Fox TV watchers, Fox News watchers don't like Chris Wallace because he's a reporter. Or, and or, he, or a chef. Or chef. Yeah, they, that's the, for the, the same reason. The they, news guys. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Not the they they love the opinion people, right. but they have they're leery about the news guys, which is weird. Well, uh, the, the the word news doesn't exist with them. It's fake news. Well, so if it's news, it must be fake news. <laughs> <laughs> State media. Well, so. I'm saying I'm just saying that Chris Wallace is unfairly criticized just because he's on Fox News. I I agree with that. But he he did want to grow up being his father. He idolized his father until they had a falling out. And for many years, they didn't talk. I used to talk to Chris Wallace every Thursday, and my job was to make sure that Chris Wallace did not wait on hold for more than 90 seconds. (laughs) By his request? Yes, because Chris... He's a very busy guy, and he was doing us a favor by sure. being on the radio Absolutely. because he lends credibility, mm-hmm. and we don't want him to be waiting. And if it was more than a minute and a half, he'd hang up, and I'd have to call him back, and I'd have to apologize for mm-hmm. that. But he is a he's probably one of the most respected news guys in the Beltway because he doesn't take that, and because he's Mike Wallace's kid, yeah. and they, ha- they do look alike. They, they very much so and sound alike. Yeah, well, uh, he also, Mike Wallace, uh, was a, a pioneer in that field, and therefore... Investigative and journalism. How, he was a truth seeker. How is Chris involved with this documentary? He's one of the producers. Okay. Yeah, so he's... yeah. But he's also doing press for the movie because his father passed away. Right, he was on Colbert. By the way, getting back to the three little the little kids in Good Boys, they yes. were all on at the same time with Colbert. And Colbert. Yeah, oh, it was it was fun. really cute. Well, good. They couldn't curse on network television. <laughs> yeah, it was it was adorable because they seemed to have a real bond. Okay, if you had to pick one of them to be a breakout star, that's I, Joy and I had that discussion. Yeah. Well, Jacob is already because he did Wonder too, and that kid. I just feel very maternal towards him after Room and Wonder, and so he's he's already established. But I think the the tall. I think both of them are going to have some sort of career. Brady seems the the kid who plays Thor seems the more biz showbiz kid, whereas the Keith Williams kid. Mm-hmm. seems more of a natural kid. Okay. Yeah, but they all grow up. And you know how hard it is for child, oh. child actors to grow up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And with good management and good advice and a good head on your shoulder, well, Jacob, you can make that transition. Jacob Trenley has been in three hit movies now. So, well, Wonder wasn't that big. But he got to act with Julia Roberts, so. Yeah, well, it, it's just a it's a good movie, but you you got to start the Kleenex and then it just <laughs> keeps going. So, so getting back to that. And then uh, there's a movie that we did not get to screen by Richard Linklater. Oh, my gosh. Bernadette. It's based... Bern, where, where, where are you where, now, Bernadette? Where'd, where'd you go, go Bernadette? Where'd you go, Bernadette? Yeah. It's based on a best-selling novel. Mm-hmm. And Richard Linklater, I don't know why they didn't screen this movie for us, but... And I, I, I know the summary of the book. I wanted to see... The, and my daughter's got a best friend named Bernadette. And so all summer she's... My daughter's middle name is Bernadette. Well... The Four Tops wrote a song called Bernadette. 
And I, it's very that's all I got. And my it's babysitter very, when I was growing up, her name <laughs> was, was Bernadette. Um, that, it's a very popular uh, confirmation name for yeah, Catholic it girls because okay. of it's a, it's a, it's Saint, Saint Bernadette. Bernadette. And, and a lot of them are nicknamed Bernie. And right. I love Bernie. I love a girl named Bernie. But this, and it's got Kristen Wiig. It's got Kate Blanchett. Billy Crudup. And it's based on a best-selling book. And it looks like a great story. Well, it, she runs away to Antarctica because she's looking for herself. What well, am I doing? What am I doing now? Isn't yes. It? She's been a mom too long. And well, she it's was not only that, it's not only that, but uh, the neighborhood busybody played by Kristen Wiig is spreading gossip around her mm-hmm. around town. And so she's like, screw this. I'm leaving. And so her daughter's off at boarding school and she starts getting letters and they start sending letters. And the book is uh, when she finds these letters, the daughter's going through everything, and that's the how that's the framing of the book. I was really curious how they're going to do this in this movie. I think it's just a narrative, and not with the gimmicks like they have in the book. But I really thought that they would show this movie to us, and they did not. And they when they don't, it. it makes you wonder, right? It does. Yeah, yeah. And it's Kate Blanchett. And they didn't show it to Kansas City either, but it's Annapurna Pictures, and they did not show Itanya to us either. So they are hit and miss. Sometimes they show us stuff, and sometimes they don't. So it's, uh, yeah. It's unfortunate. You you, yeah, you don't know. And then the Angry Birds 2, did anybody see no, that? No, we did not, but so, I read it was in Billboard magazine. No, it was USA Today, sorry. So the headline was, wait, Angry Birds 2 is actually good? <laughs> because the first one is universally hated. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. it it's throwaway, and I can't remember a single thing about it, except that it's, uh, is it Jason Sudeikis? Who's yeah. It? yeah. So That's see, I didn't even I... think about it. Uh, yeah. But this one has a lot more characters, and the birds and the pigs hook up this time to fight a different <laughs> threat. But... The headline in USA Today, wait a minute, is Angry Birds 2 actually good? And I didn't click on it because I wasn't going to see it. Well, I've never played the game Angry Birds, so I figured. What? There's a Star Wars version, so of course I did. So so I thought I would just not even know what's going on. So I think animated films are critic-proof. That's not true. But, yeah. But, you know. The cream rises. Yeah, I know, but most of the time, parents just want to take their kids to yeah. something. So or, it, yeah, no matter what a critic says, it's gonna yeah. It's if the gonna, kids want to see it. They're gonna it's see still, it. It can still flop. Didn't Wonder right. Park flop? Right, it did. Yeah, but, but I'm but, just but saying, is, is it? It's not. It's not because uh, critics warn people not to right. go. You know, or, or it, ugly dolls. Then that I mean, flop. I, I would too. have to agree with Lynn though. There's 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 just this. A portion of the population that's just going to yeah, drive Li- movies. Yeah, but Lion no King, what. which is an animated film, is made a billion dollars now. Yeah, and, and so so is Toy Story, and oh, <laughs> so is Toy Story Four, Avengers. Yeah, so D- Disney has five movies right now in August that have made over a billion dollars. Endgame, uh, Lion King, Toy Story Four, Aladdin, and Captain Marvel. Unbelievable. First time's ever. And the last two you mentioned could be totally like, well, we don't want to go into that discussion, (laughs) but maybe at the end of the year. But uh, we do have some other only There is only one DVD. You're going to mention a whole bunch of other ones. There is only one DVD out right now. It is Avengers Endgame. Everything else is tertiary. Avengers Endgame. If you've not seen it, if you've been waiting for it to come out on (laughs) Blu-ray, well, guess what? You've already been spoiled. Everybody dies. It's fine. 
Okay, so the the one the the indie movie All Is True is about Shakespeare and it's directed by Kenneth or no, it's starring Kenneth Branagh. Okay. And so that's one if you like those artsy art house movies. And then I am very intrigued by this movie and in fact, I think I might rent it, but I've got too much to watch this weekend. So it's called The Professor and the Madman and it stars Mel Gibson and Sean Penn. Whoa. If that isn't enough to intrigue you, it is about the guy who was asked to start the Oxford Dictionary. Sounds actually interesting. Yeah, it does. And so that's the professor. And so he solicited this publishing company whenever when they first started. They did this on Drunk History. They 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 solicited for the uh, the dictionary this and guy in an asylum. It was played by Tony Hale on Drunk History. Oh wow! God. So Tony not Hale. get the real story. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, but th- th- it was Drunk History probably did it better. Yeah. I, so I, <laughs> I I'm not sure who's playing the professor or the madman, but this guy in a, a sane insane asylum sent ten thousand word entries to the professor. Yeah. So the professor and the madman. So I'm very intrigued by this. And so we'll see. I didn't look at any reviews. I knew I knew that story. Yeah. And now I remember how. So on Drunk History. All right. So what comes out? And and then we also have uh, Netflix. I will say two things because we're interviewing Marlon Wayans next week. You Uh, are. Yeah. He's playing six parts in this new movie on Netflix. Sex Tuplets. And it dropped today. So you can watch it. Are you going to watch it? Uh, yeah, I have to. Okay. Because I'm interviewing him on I like Wednesday. Marlon Wayans. He's yes. a very likable guy. I do too. I interviewed him before. And his family story, the Wayans family story, is is fascinating. Oh, it's an American success story. Yeah, yeah. That, that should be a movie. Yeah. When I interviewed him uh, a couple of years ago when it was the sequel to one, The Haunted House 1. Scary movie. He was delightful. Or, or Haunted House. Yeah. <laughs> I got him talking about his family and th- that just... His brothers and sisters. And he talked about how when Keenan Ivory Wayans, his older brother, was on The Tonight Show, how the family, they're very poor. They had a whole bunch of they kids. They watched him. They watched him on a tiny black and white set in the oh, kitchen and wow. they all sat around and watched him. I would want to know what their parents were like. Oh yeah, he had stories it's, it's about his not parents. Not the Jackson family. No, no, no. Yeah. But he said his 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 dad and mom are. He said our job is to keep them from not killing each other. <laughs> so I think that's kind of tells you it's like you know this. Yeah. It, it was but look how many of them are famous and comedians. Yeah, right, yeah. So this is about he, and the and the second generation too. Now Damon Wayans wow. Jr. is doing and it's very the best well. thing that happened to Jim Carrey. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm get um, you sucker. In living <laughs> color. Chris Rock is in that. Chris oh. Rock is the is the guy, and I'm gonna get you, sucker. Chris Rock is the guy who walks into the uh, the rib store and says, "How much for a rib?" And then, uh, oh, I don't, I'm not paying that much for a rib. I don't need a whole slab. I just need one rib. How much for one rib? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "How much for soda?" And then he's he says, "Oh, I don't. I, I gotta pay for the cup." Oh no no, just put it in my hand. <laughs> and then they so he gives him one rib and a splash of soda. Mm-hmm. You got change for a hundred. <laughs> and that's Chris Rock. Good punch. Good punch oh, that's man. awesome. Well, uh, you know, speaking of in living color, David Allen Greer, uh, yeah. J Lo mm-hmm. uh, was a fly girl, and of course Jim Carrey. But uh, uh, my kids, when they found out I was going to interview Marlon Wayans, and I think this was maybe five years ago, they said, "Tell him that you've seen uh, white chicks." Uh, no, drink your juice in the hood. Uh, 
don't yeah yeah that it's, one it's, it's a really long name it's a parody of like all of the african-american oh, okay. watts uh yeah compton yeah. stuff so tim said tell him that you've seen that movie 50 times and i went in and i said my kids told me to tell you that i've seen the title of the movie uh hundred times and he just laughed and so then we started off in the family but he's coming to st louis to talk to us about sucks tuplets he plays a, a, a an expectant father who finds out that he's a sex tuplet and so he and one including of the including a woman one of them there are five boys and one girl and and he uh teams up with russell one of the sex tuplets which is also him and they go around the country finding the other one, hope to f- hook up with all the. And one and, of them needs a. One of them's in the hospital and needs like a kidney or something. And he plays all the characters. Mm-hmm. So I can see that it's Eddie Murphy doing the clumps. Yeah. So it's Netflix, and it starts tonight. And another thing, if you like Mind Hunter about the FBI behavioral mm-hmm. science uh, division that started, David Fincher is responsible for this series on it it dropped last night and i know people that watched it at midnight last night just well, because it's mm, so wow. fascinating speaking of eddie murphy my name is dolomite is going to be great that movie that he's doing for netflix is you probably remember dolomite from the uh, 70s he was it, was it was exploitation at the time and it's based on a real thing that happened in like 1973 and eddie murphy is going to star in this movie and i think it looks fantastic it's for wow. netflix and well, it's, it's nice to see eddie murphy getting in the yeah stuff, and also man. yeah getting jobs um <laughs> getting getting, jobs. well He's mind gonna hunter, do a stand-up special in, getting yeah. jobs yeah well, that's right and david chappelle's next stand-up oh, is going to yeah, be on netflix promo for that yeah with uh what's his name the voice of god um doing the i didn't it's, see it's running on social networking right oh now. didn't see it um Who's the Morgan most? Freeman? Morgan Freeman does the voice on it, and he's hilarious. And like, it's, it's David Chappelle on a desert, just walking along in this barren land. And then there's and, Morgan Freeman. And the, the voice of God in there. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right, Well, my, well real quick, Mindhunter is going to have, in season two, they're going to do the Son of Sam murders. Okay. They're going to do the Charles Manson murders. And they're gonna the Atlanta child murders. Mm. So so those are just the little few little tidbits. So I'm looking forward to it. And um, getting back to uh, well, editing, yeah, she doesn't know about how self editing works. Um, that we're already we've at proven one that. hour. We've proven that an hour ago. Hour I know. Well, we're not gonna t- we're not gonna talk. Well, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we ran out of air in the studio. Right. It's starting to get dicey. Yes. In here. Well, real quick, two things. Uh huh. Two things. Still going. Um, Go I'm sorry, but yeah, and we, we wonder gotta... why she's late for stuff. Yeah, oh, well, she's telling a story. Um, <laughs> the uh, Patrick Swayze documentary is on Sunday night on the Paramount Network at eight o'clock, and his wife produced it. And okay. uh, so, yeah, so it, there's, it's all over. If you want to find out about it, it's eight, 8 p.m. on uh, our time, the Paramount Network, which I don't watch, so I got to find it. And then <laughs> Dax Phelan from a Kirk, uh, Kirkwood. I talked to him. For an interview today for the Times newspapers, and he's making the movie called Kirkwood mm-hmm. this fall, and he it's going to be a thriller. And his dad, former cop, is the story gets a story credit, and Dax wrote the screenplay. And he just had some unfortunate things happen where his executive pr- producer died two weeks ago, Ew. and another producer has health problems, so he can't help it. So he's looking 
for someone to help produce on this end, St. Louis, to be here hmm. to help with it. What and, can I do? Yeah, and so so he's looking for people, and I said, "Hey, I'll mention it on our podcast." So he wants at the to end involve, of hour and forty five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so I'm just saying. Okay. He's 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 available on social network, but you can also let me know. Right. And uh, that's our wrap up for the week. Okay, oh. since you've gone an hour and forty five minutes, yeah, let's do this. Okay. Let's give something away right now. Anyone ever made it this far? Mm-hmm. Don't don't ever don't promote it. No. If someone makes it all the way to this part point, mm-hmm. they deserve it. They deserve a prize. A free lunch at Fountain on Locust. Okay, lunch at the Fountain on Locust just for one person. Mm-hmm. They can bring a friend, but they're getting one lunch. Yeah. At the Fountain on Locust. That's good. Or a copy of the Casey documentary. Okay. That's not for everybody. So, you know, if they prefer that, we can do that. All right. Okay. What they have to do, what you have to do is this. You have to email prize, P-R-I-Z-E, at onstl.com, O-N-S-T-L.com, and say you heard the very end of the podcast and you want to claim your prize. The first person to first do one. that. First one. All right. There Sounds good. I love Thank this. you, Ron. Thank Carl, you. where where can we hear you? You can hear me on, well, you can hear me next week. I'll be on KMOX. You can also hear me on KFTK, News Talk 91. Wait, wait hold on. Let, let me say it right. FM News Talk 97.1, KFTK. And you can hear me every Saturday night on KTRS on the Big 550 with the Max on Movies show. I'm everywhere. He gets around. That's good. St. Louis needs that. Uh, good yeah. for you. Until, the, until can, one finds out about the other, and then I'm going to have to stop yeah. doing everything. Well, we, we, <laughs> we in this in this media world, we all have to have side hustles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's the only way we stay in front of the public. So I'm in the timesnewspapers.com. <laughs> I'm in the bnd.com. I am on KTRS every Thursday night, and I do a lot of uh, – I teach at Edwardsville. I'm Limelight Magazine for theater, so – on all the socials, and you're on the socials too, Ron. On STL. On, on STL, where we're giving away every week, we're giving away concert tickets. Really? You go to, uh, just go to the Facebook page, on O-N-S-T-L, on STL's Facebook page, and, you know, follow it, mm-hmm. like it, and then you will get these in your news feed. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the next one is, but every week. There's 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 a lot of concerts in town. Probably Wick, Rick Wakeman is next. That just those just went yeah. on sale. Frontman for yes. So thank well, you Ron no, and, and no, no, no. no, keyboardist for yes. He's not the frontman. Okay. He's the guy that oh, wore the John, capes. John but, but Anderson. A, yeah, right. But he's the frontman for Rick Wakeman now. So yes, and this is him on stage at the Sheldon on September 2nd. Is he going to wear a cape? Probably. Yeah, he loves that. He well, loves he's a wearing big capes. guy. You know, that, that cape is a tent in another life. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. So, Ron, we appreciate you running us on OnSTL.com. You can find our podcast there. But they know that if they're listening to it right now. Yeah. All, All right. Basically. Say goodbye, Lynn. Bye. <laughs>